0: Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program, broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Welcome to St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from the realm of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. My name's Matt Logman, and we have a great guest and program. Today in studio with me is Deacon Jim Schleter. Deacon Jim, how you doing today? Hey,
1: good morning. Thanks, Matt, for having me.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure, my friend. How about starting us off with a prayer?
1: I, I would love to. So I've got a special intention. I'm getting a little bit choked up. but um, So my daughter was in a pretty bad car accident last night. And um, by the grace of God, she walked away from it okay, but um, three of her classmates um, are uh, had some significant injuries, and so um, they all go to Ave Marie University down in Florida, so if we could keep them in our prayers. And so I'll start out this morning uh, with a prayer uh, for their healing in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of today we thank you for the gift of modern medicine. We ask that you touch the hands and the hearts of these medical professionals uh, working on these young students. We ask that your healing come and heal their minds and their hearts, their bodies, and especially their souls as they make their way through this trying time. And we ask for Mary's help in this as well. And in Christ's name, amen.
0: Amen. The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So today we're going to talk about a little talk that I gave at St. Angelo Marici on the first Friday of Lent. And that was for the Lenten speaker series that St. Joseph Radio puts on. And it was titled, Where We Are Now and Where Are We Going? And it turned out to be a little bit of a spiritual warfare, Deacon. And I'd like to get possibly your insight through an ordained point of view. You know, it's It's a privilege that we're able to speak here to the people out there. You know, it's early in the Lenten journey still and hopes to shed some light that the many pitfalls are there. And you need that spiritual light to see them, you know, because the enemy will no doubt place those in our paths. And the obstacles, what are they? Where did they come from? And why, I hope to be able to share that with some of the friends and people out there that need to know it. So, any input on the obstacles that are out there?
1: Well, I certainly think, you know, in today's day and age, um, our attention is really drawn away from God quite a bit uh, to very attractive things. Um, and many of those attractive things are good and noble in themselves. Others, though, lead us to sin. I mean, you know, heaven is this beautiful place that we should all attain, and, and hell is the complete opposite. But certainly, Satan paints that road to hell as a nice rosy pathway. And uh, makes it look very attractive. But, you know, um, not to dive too far into to my background or my history, but, you know, my conversion came about really through a reversion, um, came through a, a retreat. And, and what that retreat did for both my wife and I is, is taught us to focus on the Mass. And so we were lukewarm uh, Catholics. Uh, we would go to Mass uh, when the stars aligned, basically. And... Um, So once we changed our focus to say, okay, this Sunday, which mass are we going to go to? It's going to be 830, 1015, noon, whatever the case is, we would set that. And then everything else sort of fell around the mass itself. And that to us was probably one of the largest or most impact, most impactful things that occurred to our family, um, our kids saw the importance of the Mass, of the Eucharist, of receiving Christ. Um, just one hour a week is, is all that, that the church is asking for us. Uh, my goodness, uh, that should be the most blessed hour of the entire week. That should be something that we should wake up on a Monday morning saying, I can't wait to go to Mass next Sunday. Um, but many of us don't. And uh, But I can tell you for us, that was really the, the game changer for our family and our faith life.
0: There's Yeah, I mean, we are all called to be saints, you know, and we're all on this path to holiness. And who doesn't want us to get there? And that's what I'm trying to let the people know that as much as, like you said, we we focus on Christ, we focus on the mass. Well, someone doesn't want us to do that. Now, how do we stop that from happening? You know, because we can see what's going on in the world right now and how the families are being attacked. And this stuff's all been prophesied to happen. And it's like, still, we weren't ready for it. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's really frustrating. But Holy Mother Church, through her infinite wisdom, gives us seasons in which we are all called to grow in holiness, Lent being one of them, because she knows the adversary will unceasingly, as it has since the fall of Satan and the angels that followed him, will do everything in her power to separate us from the love of God.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, and and Lent is the perfect time to to really prepare our hearts for the coming of Christ, um, the second coming of Christ uh, through the resurrection. And um, the thing I really love, I love the wisdom of the church in that it says, okay, we should should pick something and and refrain from it or pick something to practice or go to. But really in that refraining, you know, we we say, okay, well, I'm going to give up something, chocolate, soda, whatever the case is. But we do that, and it may be something small, but, you know, as Easter Sunday approaches and we get closer and, and we have that first candy bar, or we have that first soda or whatever it is, we realize what a blessing it was to really deny ourselves something. And um, I, I find that just, again, even in the small things, uh, just so refreshing for, for my faith life that I've given something up and now I can have it. It just makes it so much more impactful. So I don't know if I answered your question. I strayed, I think, a little bit from that, but um, uh, but just the season of Lent is just a, a joyous time in the sense that we have hope from, from day one, from Ash Wednesday up until uh, Easter Vigil. Um, it's just this constant hope that, okay, this is a dark time um, and we're going to be attacked during that time as well. You know, Why not have that soda? Why not have that piece of chocolate? It's not that big of a deal. It's not going to gain your entry into heaven. Um, But it's a matter of just saying, you know what? I've given that up for Christ. And so it's a small thing. It's a small way of saying, Christ, I love you. Okay? Um, And, and again, that's one of the beautiful things about Lent. It's just it keeps drawing us back as to why we're doing this. Why am I giving up that thing? Um, And it hopefully helps build up that armor to protect us. From the other temptations That we may have Which are much more dire
0: Well I think you made it perfect really I mean when you talked about That we will be attacked I mean 40 years in the desert Our Lord went And you know So this season of Lent We have 40 days But Christ was attacked mm-hmm. You know You know well, Satan You know And so many people Just don't really realize that and The Son of God Was attacked by Satan I mean this is real stuff going on And if The Lord, obviously, the Son of God, could withstand that, but we're human, Mm -hmm. and you know, yeah, we're up against an angel of light. You know, this guy was up there, and he knows. And it's amazing. You know, I I was told that that demons can't read our minds, but since they have been around since the beginning of time, they can read our body language. We don't have to speak; (laughs) they know exactly how to tempt us, what our faults are. You know, I think that's amazing.
1: Yeah, it—you um, know, I, it, this past fall, actually, I was out—I um, I went to the Holy Land uh, on a pilgrimage, and we, we visited the place where it's believed Jesus went out to the desert. Puts a whole new context on that, you know, and not to promote, uh, you know, everyone going to the Holy Land, but if you ever get the opportunity, it does really change your mindset when you read these stories in the Bible. They, they truly do come alive. But to see that desert and knowing that he willingly went out there, led by the Holy Spirit— Um, to be tempted. And, you know, the devil tempts him in such a way that it's sort of, he attacks just our our basic desires and wants, you know. Um, If you do this, I will give you, you know, power and glory and what have you. Um, You know what? Human doesn't want that. You know, we want to have a little bit of power and we want to have glory and to be looked at. But um, so the devil really doesn't, he, he knows what we want and he makes it look very attractive. Um, And, and you know, with sin, too, when you're done with a sin, how many people jump up and down and say, yeah, I'm so glad I just sinned. You know, usually there's that remorse there. So (laughs) hopefully Lent will give us that ability to say, you know what, I don't think I'm going to feel that great after I do this act. So, uh, again, Lent just being a great time for us to grow deeper in our faith and and to help us resist those temptations that we have.
0: (laughs) That is very true. You know, and it has been said, Dig and Jim, that one of the— Enemy's greatest weapons is to come under the radar, where he goes undetected and lulls people into a false sense of security and complacency. Where it brings me to the thought that com- comfortable Catholicism has perhaps shot us in the foot, allowing the evil one to slip through the cracks into every aspect of our lives.
1: Oh, absolutely, and you know, and, and with that too, I think many of us, uh, and, and I'm guilty just as the next person of. Uh, creating God in my own image. Um, okay, this is what I think God wants. This is this is how God should act. Um, you know, if he truly loves me, then he would know that this is the right thing for me. The lottery. Oh, God, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it's not that way. Like, when we go to Mass, or any worship service for that matter, you know, the, the sole purpose of Mass is to worship God. Okay? And if you walk out of there with you know a a little nugget from the sermon uh maybe it was a song that touched your heart if you took something away from the mass icing on the cake but we're not going there for that we are going to worship god again one hour a week um that's it's not a big requirement and that's where he feeds us yes absolutely
0: you know who can make this journey i mean humanly it's impossible yeah. You know, I like when he says that, but with God, all things are possible. And that's God himself at the altar. You know, I mean, I think people need to be walking up there realizing what's going on. You know, I mean, I hate to judge, but when, when, I, when I do look up and I see people just going through the motions, you know, my, my heart hurts. Mm-hmm. You know, so what are we going to do? How can we help these people? Yeah. You know, as far as uh, the thing I'll point out, uh, the first way that Satan gets in— is into the domestic church, our homes. And normally, sure, it's out of ignorance that they don't know how they're opening that door, how they're cracking that window, but he gets in. And according to Sister Lucia, one of the three seers in Fatima, one of the last battles will be against marriage and the family. That's our domestic church, our safe havens, our homes. You know, when you let that sink in, I know that I'm fairly confident that everyone has either experienced this or they know someone who has the wounds from Satan's attacks. I mean, they're everywhere. Divorces, infidelity, pornography, addictions, child abuse, as Parents will give children hormones to delay puberty so they can do gender transitions. It's like, and this is all going on on our watch, and the battle is ongoing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I th- it was, um, you know, John Paul II, I-, I think, who said, as the family goes, so goes the church, so goes society. Yeah. Um, You know, and and I look back on COVID, okay? So, you know, many things were bad from COVID, but I look back and we had more family meals during that time period than we've had in a long, long time.
0: Silver lining.
1: Oh, it was beautiful. Um, You know, we're meant to be in communion with each other. And in today's day and age, you know, our society um, doesn't really want that for a family. And I'm not saying there's this... Conspiracy, but we're just pulled in many different directions, and so, you know, the, the family unit now is is a bunch of individuals that gather periodically. It's not like we're there for each other and to help each other collectively. Um, you know, we, we sign up our, our children for multiple teams to be on, so we're never going to be home during the nighttime to have any type of family dinner. Um, we've got all these different interests and. You know, how many times have you gone to a restaurant nowadays and you see a family there and half of them are on their phones? You know, so we're just being pulled away and not really being pulled together. Um, you know, and it's just it's sort of a sad state. Um, I'd like to see it change. I'm not sure how it's going to change. But, you know, the, what we can do as, as, as Christians, as Catholics, is just live out the faith. And, you know, one thing of, of beauty is when you, when you are out to dinner and you see a family pray before a meal— Always. Um, you know, they talk about the new evangelization and how are we going to talk to people. And it's, you know, everybody thinks, well, shoot, I can't stand on a street corner and, and profess the faith and so forth. That's just not me. It's out of my comfort zone. But you know what? Pray before a meal out in public. And I tell you what, you're going to have a huge ripple effect with people. They are going to look at that. Fathers are going to look at that and go, I want that for my family. Mothers are going to look at that and say, that is beautiful. That's beautiful. And so it will have a huge lasting effect. So those are just little things that I think possibly may change families' attitudes. You know, one other thing, too, and, and not to get too much on the subject, but, you know, you see so many um, people uh, leaving Mass early, okay, for one reason or another. Um, and, and me growing up, and, of course, we always tend to go back to the way we were raised and how things were. And, you and, grew up? <laughs> okay. not, not yet. Uh, working on that. Uh, my wife can attest to that. Um, but, you know, you sort of go back to those days and like, oh, that was the, the best time. And we had a priest that said, Mass is not over until the last word of the last song has been sung. And he would say that as people were walking out, and it would, they would freeze in their tracks and, you know, find the nearest pew and, and hop in. Um, but people leave early, again, for one reason or another. And you want to evangelize to somebody? Show up late to whatever activity that was. Tell the coach. Tell the people you're going to have breakfast with. Tell whoever it is, oh, I'm late. You can apologize for it if you want, but say, you know, we were at Mass. And that's all you have to say. And that is evangelizing right there. you Amen. know. Or if you're on a traveling team, you know, and that's big nowadays. If you're on a traveling team, that, that game Sunday morning, don't go to it. Go to Mass instead. And you talk about evangelizing. And if that coach says, you're you know, you're off the team, Do you want that person in your life, really?
0: Small price to pay. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. And today we have Deacon Jim Schleter in studio. My name's Matt Logman, and we're talking about where we are now as a society and where are we going? Because this is Lent, and we are called to holiness, and there are many obstacles, obstacles in our way. So the next one, Jim, I'll point out is the attack on our schools. I mean, when I went to school, kids would sleep, (laughs) you know, product of the 70s. I -hmm. was there. Well, now it seems that they are woke, (laughs) and that's not a good thing. Teachers telling grade school children they can be anything they want. You know, that used to mean firefighters, astronaut, president. Now it seems to mean either a boy or a girl. Mm -hmm. How does that happen?
1: (laughs) I I can't tell you. You know, I'm an engineer. I don't know how we got to this point. Um, with me, I deal with facts and figures all day and, um, I, I don't deal with these non-reality issues. And so, um, I don't know how we got to this point, like I said, but it, it just astounds me that, you know, we send children to school to develop, to, you know, get a conscience to learn things and so forth. And we're saying, you know what, you know, their, their sexuality Tell you what they can just decide that on their own with absolutely zero guidance on you know what it means to be a man or a woman so I don't know how necessarily it, it it crept into there, but you know you can almost say okay we took we took God out and now all of a sudden we're filling that void and maybe that's the root of it all uh i i, I know a gentleman he went to uh, grew up in a small town here in missouri uh went to a public school but it, the public school and I can't remember the name of it' it's like our, Our Lady of, I'll say it, make it up, Our Lady of Lords public school, you know. Interesting. So back in the day, the public school not much of an issue with that. And it seems like nowadays you keep God out of school entirely. And, again, there's that void there, and, and we're just filling that void and um, not filling it with the right things.
0: Right. And I'll talk later on about a man that I interviewed. He was fired for acknowledging God in a public school system. Well, the next one would be the media outlet where we are being bombarded 24-7, 365 with everything pointing us to enjoy every finite pleasure known to mankind. And if you think I'm being overdramatic, I, I think not. I interviewed Zachary King, who was a high wizard for Satan's world church. Praise God, the Blessed Mother has since converted him to Catholicism through her son's divine mercy. So at any, any given point, he tells us there are between two and nine of these grand wizards who earn millions of dollars for Satan's church. They work black magic and spells, and these things work. You know, Satan is a powerful angel. And if you, if you go to him, and that's where people make the mistake, you know, I, I want this or want that. And it's like they have no idea what they're doing. You know, people desire world power, fame, and success like we talked about. That's what he wants to give us. And there, there's music videos out there where this high wizard pointed out that one of these people made a cameo. He just kind of like walked through the – and nobody notices him. But there he was in his cane and his top hat and like that because he said this is how they dress. Yeah, that's, how he, that's what he wanted when he was uh, first getting into the covens, you know, which he made it to. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just mind-blowing. And so when it comes to media, what's your take on that? When people – what should they do?
1: Um, I I would approach it the way—I'll say how I approach uh, the media is I, I try to go to multiple sources. Um, if the media reports at all on the church itself, um, I typically then, when I have the time, will go find the source from the Catholic Church. You know, to me, it, it's like, um, you know, the church tells us what—I'm sorry, the, the, the media tells us what the church says, states, whatever. Uh, it would be like going into— and I apologize if I offend anybody, but if you go into a Chevy dealership and say, tell me all you know about these Ford trucks, I'm considering buying one. Well, are they going to say anything good about a Ford truck? Absolutely not. And that's sort of what the media does, is that, you know, it's—they're in today's mindset. You know, it's all about me. It's all about pleasure and so forth. How does it affect me? How does it make me better? Uh, whereas the church states the complete opposite. You know, how can I help you? How can I help you grow in your life? Um, so you've got these almost uh, opposing viewpoints. And so when I approach the media, there's always that that skepticism of, okay, they're coming at it from a point of view, and what is that point of view? And sometimes it's it's very subtle, but it it's there. There's some inherent bias. Maybe not necessarily always against the church, but there's bias there. And I think if you just approach the media in that aspect of, I've got to be a little bit guarded, whatever they say, there's probably some truth to it, but is it the complete truth? I don't know. I, I, again, I approach it with some skepticism.
0: Right, but then we have impressionable minds in our domestic homes, you know, domestic church, and they are being bombarded with everything that they should be doing, which is not what they really should be doing. And, well, Mom, everybody's doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you heard that one? Everybody's doing
1: it. Well, yeah. And then I'm sure your mother was the same way. If they jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? and Not
0: without a parachute.
1: <laughs> when I was a teenager, I'd probably say, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, my
0: son Jacob actually said that one, Teresa.
1: <laughs>
2: so,
0: yeah. oh my gosh, the kid was too smart for his own good at three years of age. Hi, Jake. Hopefully you're listening. Anywho. So uh, the next one I'll point out where the enemy's attacking our faith, and it's in our jobs where— Our faith has to be hidden in a desk drawer, you know, or face termination. Like I said, I was privileged to interview Dr. Gregory Thompson, who's written many books. This guy is a saint. I mean, if if I knew anybody that was a saint, I would say it would be him. Anyway, um, he was fired from his job as a superintendent for the Ozark Public School System for acknowledging God. He got into a, you know, a little... Frustration match with one of the teachers who would not do the Pledge of Allegiance because it said under God. Mm-hmm. And she knew the right people to reach out to, and they came, and they looked up on his wall and said, that needs to come down. Oh, you can't ask me to do that. That needs to go in your desk drawer pointing at his Bible. You know, oh, come on, you can't ask. Well, they did ask, and he wouldn't. And he was fired because of it. Now, mind-blowing to my mind, you know? How, you know. It's like where we've gone so wrong... In such a short amount of time, you know, just leads me back to where we are now and how that came about, which is we're being attacked. I mean, it's the only explanation it could be, Mm -hmm. you know. So it's like, yeah, yeah, we, we need to like figure out what we can do. And we'll talk about that coming up next. So next day, I would say even our church is being attacked. For this, I'd like to point out a couple of historical facts. October 13th. 1884, Pope Leo XIII had a remarkable vision where he was standing, in, I guess, after Mass in the Vatican Chapel, attended by a few cardinals and the members of his Vatican staff, and he suddenly stopped at the foot of the altar, and he stood there for about 10 minutes like in, a, like in a trance, and his fate was ash and white. So then going immediately... To the chapel, to or from the chapel to his office, he composed a prayer to Saint Michael, with the instructions that it be said after all low masses everywhere. And when asked what happened, he explained that suddenly he heard two voices, one kind, one gentle; the other, guttural and harsh. They seemed to be coming from near the tabernacle, and as he listened, he heard the following conversation. The guttural voice of Satan in his pride boasted to our Lord, I can destroy your church in 100 years. And the Lord said, uh, you know, you can? Again <laughs> a question. Then go ahead and do so. How much time? How much power? Satan said 75 to 100 years and a greater power over those who will give themselves over to my service. To do so I need more time and more power. Our Lord said, you have the time, you will have the power. Do with them what you want. This happened in 1884. Folks, you can check this out. I'm not making this up. The devil said he needed 75 to 100 years. 75 years later, in 1959, January 25th, Pope John XXIII publicly summoned the Second Vatican Council. Wow. This certainly sheds a little light on what happened to Cardinal McCarrick's actions and many of others who fell to the wayside. So what all this means is that Satan doesn't like us. He despises God's plan for humanity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, what do we, how do we take this vision that Pope Leo Thirteenth had? And why did God give A hundred years, you know, of these attacks on our church. That I can't wrap my arms around yet, but we got a break coming up here, so hopefully that'll give you some time to think about that one. So uh, let me see where we're at there. Folks, Catholic Man of the Year is coming up. Make sure you get to, let me see, mark your calendar. It's coming up real soon, 19th, and that is going to be at the Hilton St. Louis Frontenac. Bishop Mark Rubitusa will be there to present this special award. So make sure you stop by that one and save the date, March 19th, 2023. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from the Rome of the West. My name is Matt Logman in studio with Deacon Jim Sleeter, and we will be right back. Hi, this is Matt Loggeman with St. Joseph Radio with a great gift idea. A St. Benedict bracelet. A trendy accessory for men, women, and children that not only looks good on everyone's wrist, but is actually armor for the spiritual battlefield. This unique bracelet is handmade in Europe and contains 10 medals within the braided cord in the adult size and 7 medals in the children's size. On the front of each beautiful medal is St. Benedict holding a cross in his right hand, the object of his devotion. On the back of each medal is a cross. Surrounding the back of the medal and cross are the letters V R S N M-V-S-M-Q-L-I-V-B in Latin reference which translates Be gone, Satan. Never tempt me with your vanities. What you offer me is evil. Drink the poison yourself. And finally located at the top is the word Pax, which means peace. All bracelets come packaged with an informational card and the St. Benedict blessing which your local priest can administer. This gift is for everyone you love and care about, including yourself. Available from St. Joseph Radio, check the website at (laughs) www.saintjosephradio.net we <laughs>
2: Including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Kemper, Rick Hollerich, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to SJEN.TV or on Roku SJEN TV. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at SJEN.TV. <laughs>
0: St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. Matt Logman, Deacon Jim Schluter in studio. And speaking of free, my friends, all you got to do is give us a call after the program. You can get a copy of this program, and we'll also get you the MP3 of the talk that I gave at St. Angela Marici, and it'd be a great thing to listen to, and then pass that along to you-know-who-needs-it, because that's how we evangelize and save one soul at a time. Well, Deacon Jim, we just talked about how we're all being attacked, and now we know that for a 100 years, Satan had unfettered access to attack our priesthood. And I don't really understand why God did that, but I know it's in divine providence, and he has it in his hands. But I think what we need to take out of this is our priest are human. And you know, we're all human, and we're all being attacked, but he, they, they're doubling down on the priesthood that's why we need to pray for our brothers you know with the collars and our deacons and and really get good people into the seminaries and good women into religious life it's time to fight back
1: yeah amen absolutely i in, in fact give me all the prayers you can give me <laughs> amen brother. So, <laughs> um you know but man is nothing new uh you know you go back to uh judas you know Satan was attacking from that, that day forward and even go back to, you know, our Jewish roots where it was the same cycle over and over again. Um, but, you know, you, you fast forward to today's day and age and you, you throw in, you know, our, our current culture and so forth and, and it's, it almost makes it no wonder why we see some of the issues that we have in the church. Um, you know, we're turning our focus towards ourselves and not necessarily towards God. So, you know, when we do that, when we sin... Um it's, it's just natural, I guess, at that point, if we're not going to truly turn to God. And that's why Jesus came here. Hey, I'm God. Follow me. You know, that's what he asked the people. Follow me. Um, beautiful thing is he gave us that free will. So he's not saying you must, you have to. Um, he says, follow me. It's an invitation. And um, I, I think too many times we decide not to follow him. We want to follow ourselves. So. We are the blind leading the blind.
0: He does say, follow me. And then we have to pray for the grace, I think, and whatever it is we need to have that ability to do so. And I jokingly tell people, you know, I got my prayer life down to the Reader's Digest version. And they kind of like, okay, how so? Lord, grant me the grace to be found living your will. Amen. And think about it. What else do we need to ask for? He Mm -hmm. knows what we need even before we ask, you know. But if we can be found living his will we then have that peace that goes beyond understanding. And I think if everybody could just touch that at least once, they'll get it and they'll live for it. You know, I, I have heard that I think people need to have that personal relationship with Jesus. I mean, it sounds very Protestant to say, do you know, do you have a personal, reading? you've heard this before? And I'm like, yes, I do. You know, I talk to them all the time. You know, it's like, you know, and I receive him every week. You know, I told that to one guy before. How about if you take that hundred percent you're at now and go to one ten? He, well, how so? I read John six to him, and he had never read that. Mm-hmm. Wow, you know. So I plant that seed, water that seed. Yeah, that's all you can do is plant and water. Well, you know, we are now what two weeks into our forty day journey. You know, and I know a lot of us out there have already blown up our promises, what we said we were going to do. Well. Eh, Folks, you're you're not alone, because, you know, think about it. Out of the nine choirs of angels, in their hierarchy, the three closest to God, the seraphim, cherubim, and thrones, are the most powerful. Even to the point where some exorcisms last months with repeated visits to the exorcist to cast the demons or demon out you know i mean wow i mean, i think it's one and done you know but it doesn't work that way you know when i the more i read about it you know it's like it, when he left he took a third followed him well if they came from the higher hierarchy these demons are extremely strong and mm-hmm. they know us more than we know ourselves so the obstacles what are they they're temptations they're seductions they're things that take our focus off the path to holiness where do they come from and why? Well, that's the master of deception and lies and his vast army of demons. And why? Is out of his pride and envy of humanity and God's plan for salvation. These powerful and eternal spirits upon learning that they would one day have to kneel to a substandard carbon vessel that was beneath them and their superiority. And, and then the virgin, completely human, not divine, was going to have the power to crush his head. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, so, yeah, they're not happy. You know, I mean, she her fiat was exactly opposite of no servium, which Satan came. Wow. So the good news is Satan and his demons only have the power over us that we give them. That is why we need to know our enemy. We need to understand how, mostly out of ignorance, like I said earlier, that we crack open these doors and windows, allowing them in. That brings us on how to overcome the traps and obstacles being set. But if I haven't already said this, and if it's, uh, it, it is time to fight back. This is all happening on our watch. First off, I'd like to talk about the domestic church of homes. Believe it or not, pious practices keep evil at bay. Mm-hmm. You would agree. Uh-huh. Absolutely. <laughs> they act in the supernatural world just behind the veil that we don't see. You know, so one of the things that I wanted to point out was a quote. This quote came from Carol Wotia. No, Wotiwa. I always try to get that one pronounced right. This happened back in 76 I believe, possibly 78. There's a couple. I think it was in 76, and they reprinted it in 78. And this is back when he was a cardinal here in the United States. This is, quote, We are now standing in the face of the greatest historical confrontation humanity has ever experienced. I do not think that wide circles of the American society or the whole wide circle of the Christian community realize this fully. We are now facing the final confrontation between the church and the anti-church, between the gospel and the anti-gospel, between the between Christ and the anti-Christ. Now this is what gets me. The confrontation lies within the plans of divine providence. It is therefore in God's plan, and it must be taken up by the church, and to face it courageously. It's like, wow. And this was... Back in the 70s. I mean, the church has known for a long time that the battle is real. hmm And we don't hear it a lot from the pulpit. Not a lot.
1: Yeah. And, and truly, the battle is over the family. You know, let's tear the family apart as much as possible. Again, uh, John Paul II, just such a wonderful, wonderful man that, that focused truly on the family. Um, how do we keep the family together? You know, how do we strengthen families and so forth? And, and um yeah, you start to pull the family apart and, you know, whole societies are, are going to start falling by the wayside. You just go back in history. You know, the fall of Rome, there's many reasons why, but certainly pulling the families apart was, was one of the main reasons. Um, you pull fathers out of the homes and look what happens there. And and I, I don't want to get into statistics, but and I don't want to get into opinions, but, you know, if you truly just follow the data, uh, it shows you that, you know, a nuclear family is key to uh, a successful, thriving family. Not success in the way of monetary success, but success in that family will love each other from the moment of the conception until each one of them passes on to eternal life.
0: So you talked about opinion, and I would take that back to Scripture. The son will do as the father does. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, it's right there.
0: So if the father's not going to church then what's the son going to do?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. In fact, again, just statistics only. Not my opinion, but statistics. I read this recently that if um, if the father does not go to Mass, um, the chances of those children carrying on the practice of going to Mass, even though the mother does, is about 2%. So if you have a faithful mother, the chances of those children going on in, in practicing their faith as they get older is about 2%. The mother and father go together to Mass, and it jumps up to, I'm going to make up a number, but I'm not far off, like 38%. Now switch it to where the father goes to Mass only and not the mother, it even goes even higher to 44%. So, again, those are numbers, and I'm not saying that we need faith-filled women, and, in fact, there are so many beautiful faith-filled women that, um, that we need that. Uh, we need those moms, we need those grandmothers, we need those daughters uh, sitting in the pews. Uh, but the father is what the kids are mimicking when it comes to practicing the faith.
0: This is true. And you know, it just, this is all just about the attack that's going on, and your, your stats are spot on. And uh, Dr. Gregory Thompson, he has those same stats. He goes all the way back to when they pulled the Bibles out of the schools and he listed, it's all black and white, it's all true, it's just like, it's mind-blowing. And it just shows you how real the battle is. You know, like, what's going on in the schools? How do we get this, you know, folks, we need to get involved. Know what your children and grandchildren are being taught. We, we, we have to get, you know, involved. There, there's no other way. Um, you know, remember that your first and most important, you are the main teacher. We mm-hmm. are the main teachers. So if we're not getting it done at home, we cannot rely on what the schools are doing. You know, we gotta, we got to prioritize what is most important. I, I have been told by people, now this is more of a soapbox than me, I've been told that people can't afford Catholic school, you know, which I, I, I think if, if people already are not sending their kids to, I ask them to please highly consider it. Well, I've been told by these people who can't afford it, and they're living in a half-million-dollar home, and they're driving over $100,000 worth of vehicles. They have expensive vacations, hobbies. Prioritize. Why not live in a $250,000 home, drive $60,000 worth of vehicle? And why are we doing this? Because we are talking about the salvation of our children's souls for eternity. And If that isn't worth it, what is? And people do not prioritize. They're all from the school of what's in it for me. Me, me, I, I, you know, you know, that looks good, you know, I'll, I'll take that. You know, it's just, not, that's, it's a shame, yeah. you know, that, that we're falling apart like that. And it is my hope that we're bringing light to it and people can share this. Yeah.
1: And, well, Matt, and to go even further, too, you know, it's not just, okay, I'm going to send my child to a Catholic school.
0: Homeschooling's good, too.
1: Yes, absolutely. But so many people are sending their children to a Catholic school yet they don't practice the faith. So I don't know what the percentages are, but I can tell you it's below 50% <laughs> in many of the Catholic schools that these kids go to school, they're taught the faith day in and day out. Come Sunday, they're not in Mass. You know, it can't fault the kids. It's the parents are not bringing them there. So for whatever reason, uh, these parents have chosen to say, okay, I'm giving them a, a good enough education, uh, they're getting their faith, done. I'm, I'm done. I'm writing the check. That's how I'm teaching my child the faith. And so so it's not just those who aren't sending their children to a Catholic school. Um, it is those parents that—in fact, you could almost say, gosh, dare I say this, the, the hypocrisy of living to where I'm sending you to Catholic school, but you know what? I'm not going to practice my faith. So— um, Very true. Yeah.
0: You know, I'm not saying Catholic education is perfect. I know it's not. But it's a far better cry than what the public school system offers with God and prayer removed. So at least they're getting, you know, hopefully their, their roots will be able to get deeper into the soil so that they can withstand what's coming when they get out of school and have to go out on their own. And what you said earlier made me think about the genius of Catholicism. I was a chaperone down in Springfield for their Steubenville Conferences, mm-hmm. and every year I went down there on the third day where they have the process, the procession of the Eucharist, where they go up and down every aisle in that basketball stadium of 3,000 kids, half of them are PSR, half of them are day school, approximately. Mm-hmm. Now the genius, because they would come to us and say, if you see anything out of the ordinary," Don't try to handle this on yourself. You take it to the people in the orange shirts, they will know what to do. And I'm like, uh, like, like what? You'll know when it happens. Uh, well, you know, come on, man, give me something. They wouldn't. So I never knew what to expect, and I never saw anything. And I'll be darned if the first year I didn't go down there, and I heard this, you know, I'm not going to say who I heard it from, but something happened. And what happens is, folks, is these PRs, like you said, Their families aren't taking them to church. So what happens is three months go by. We don't know what that kid's doing. They don't know what door they have opened. They could be doing Ouija boards over at their friends' houses. Wow. We don't know what kind of attachments they have. And if they have not been in front of the real presence, you're not going to know. But that's what happens. That real presence comes down the aisle, and these kids freak out. And this happens, and they're ready for it. That's the genius of Catholicism they' they know it and they're ready for it mm-hmm. that's that blows my mind you know what I mean because you know they, they know the battles real and this person that actually it happened to they gave him the doubt you know because he calmed down they had it took for him to subdue him later on he started acting up again and one of the ladies from the deliverance group was there and saw it she goes I've seen enough I'm calling the bishop they brought the exorcist down mm-hmm. so it's like folks get your kids to church
2: yeah
1: you know
0: you know good grief
1: yeah you know and i know we're talking about uh, education but but really you know to lead your kids in a faith life uh in my opinion go to mass make that a priority of your weekend number two live the faith you know put others above yourself and two things alone you you, you can't go wrong you can't go wrong, regardless if they go to a Catholic school, uh, public school, they go to PSR, they're homeschooled, um, mass, and live the faith. And it's funny because, you know, you've got two boys, I've got four children. Uh, when you see them as adults and they have these little idiosyncrasies that are directly from you, whether it's the look on their face, the way they laugh, the maybe a word that they state exactly like you, that not only applies to those things, but to their faith life as well. So... Live the faith as much as you can. That will rub off on the children. You don't have to sit down and, and every night recite, you know, the rosary and so forth. Those are beautiful in and of themselves, but live the faith. Just live it, and that will be enough for your children.
0: Right. The next thing that I want to say, folks, is you got to control the media that comes into your home. You know, when your children tell you that everyone's watching it or doing it. Well, that's not true. There are many households striving for holiness out there with their focus on what is above. You have to set limits and boundaries. An R-rated movie means you are not watching it, son. You know, I mean, it, that's just it. You've got to be not be their best friend. You've got to set those boundaries. Talk with your kids. Transparency, I believe, is very important. What do you think about that?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, yeah, definitely monitor what they're seeing and uh, you know we uh my wife was starting to watch uh this new buzz Lightyear year uh movie and um you know the one of the first scenes was uh, i don't know if it was two ladies were starting to embrace or kiss or whatever it was and she said you know that's enough i don't need that so you know that was turned off beautiful um i know you'd mentioned about the exorcism showing showing your your two boys um you know, truly what it means to be possessed. Um, They take all that in. And right now in this day and age, they've got the screens constantly in front of them. Um, We know a few people who, you know, their their young children, I'd I'd say maybe later, maybe early teens, uh, they don't have a phone. And it's very refreshing. I'd like to say that we don't have that issue in our house, but we do. Um, But it's great to see that you know, parents are saying, you know what, enough. My kids don't need to see that. They Damn. need to form their consciences before they start being exposed sure to these that things. Make sure that
0: phone does not go in their room to go to bed.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know,
0: they're three buttons away from seeing a lot of stuff they shouldn't. Folks, this is St. Joseph Radio Presents. We are coming to you live from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. Matt Logman here with Deacon Jim Schleter, and we are talking about where we are now and where we are going. And we'll get to some good stuff here in just a bit. I'd like to remind you that the Catholic Man of the Year 2023 is coming up real soon. Who is the Catholic Man of the Year? Well, he's one who lives out his faith by sharing his time and talent for the good of others. And the award dinner will take place on the Feast of St. Joseph, March 19th, at the Hilton St. Louis Frontenac, with Bishop Mark Rivetuso presenting the award. And he's the one that married Teresa and I. I think that's why we're almost 30 years married.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. St. Teresa, right? Yeah. St. Teresa of O'Fallon.
0: There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and the reason I showed my kids that movie at a young age, the The Exorcist, was because they were really hip on watching all the shows, you know, the, the the Supernatural and then Search for It, you know, and Ghost Hunting, and and I'm like, I'm I watched a few of them, and I'm like, wow, you know, these people. I told the kids that that man if they came face to face with a real demon. After they soiled their pants, they would run out of there. There's no doubt about it. This is all a a grab for money. Come on, man. They they, they are not. That was a joke. So um, anyway, what what can we do, Jim? we got to get a lot of stuff going on in the homes. And here's a, a great way to do it. The Holy Mother Church has given us weapons. They are called sacramentals, and they are instruments of spiritual warfare. First one I would like to point out is holy water. You use it to bless yourself, your family, your house, your hotel room. You can take it when you travel. And Epiphany Water, which has blessed salt in it and a prayer of minor exorcism. Now I'd like to point out that Holy Water is free. And those little fonts that we bless ourselves out of, you can get it at the Catholic Supply Store.
1: If you don't have one yet, get one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got one? Uh, we have Holy Water at home, but we don't have a font.
0: Yeah, my, my holy water right now is empty. I gotta get a refill. But yeah, I have a font at the door that we always walk out. And on the front door, I got a picture of the prodigal son that Michael bought mm-hmm. for me because I was transparent and I shared all of that as age allowed. You know that, you know that is not the way to live. And hopefully, they, they uh, you know well I know he did. He's in the seminary. All right. You can also get blessed salt, folks. This is used as a barrier for your house to keep the bad guys out. Blessed oil which can be used for prayers of healing when we are hurt or wounded. The St. Benedict Crucifix's armor used for spiritual protection, blessed chalk for the entryway of your home. This is all stuff you can contact us after the program. Find out where you can get it. We might even have it here. The rosary, the St. Padre uh, Pio called this the weapon, which is exactly what it is. St. Michael Rosary, Our Lady of Sorrows Rosary. Blessed Palms from Palm Sunday are very powerful. Holy relics, you know, there's this, the list goes on. Scapulars, get them all here. You know, you got to, we need to educate ourselves, and we've got a lot of that going on here. www.saintjosephradio.net. Call us after the program's over. That would be 636-447-6000. We'll get you a copy of this program and an MP3 download for that talk that I gave, which we are going over right now. There's many more weapons out there, and I know I don't use them frequently enough. What, what good is any weapon if we don't use it?
1: Yeah. You know, in addition to those, Matt, we, we have a lot of uh, religious art in our house. My wife loves to go to estate sales, and, you know, the stuff we have is beautiful, and she pays almost nothing for it. Um, just, it's, it's gorgeous. And it's a great reminder as you're walking through a room. Okay, there's the Last Supper. There's Christ here. There's a saint there and so forth. And it's, it, it's just a beautiful way, like you know, like Sacramento's, to bring our mind back to, to God. Um, I love it. Absolutely love it. You, know, you, you go into most art museums, and some of the most beautiful art that they have there is religious art. Um, St. Louis Museum.
0: I think Mary's the most painted person.
1: Oh, just beautiful. Just yeah. beautiful.
0: Yeah, my, Michael tells us every time we go to an estate, estate sale, rescue all the rosaries. So if you get, you, get, you got to buy them whether you need them or not, yep. you know. Yep. I mean, because they need to, you know, they need to get out. And uh, you know what I'm saying. It's, it's just, we all need to, because this is all happening now. And we were all put here for God's infinite wisdom. We're put here for a reason. Are we all doing our part? You know, I know I'm not doing enough.
1: Well, I mean, I know we're never going to do enough, you know. So uh, here's me as a deacon. I'm sitting here going, okay. I, I, you know, I look out in the pews, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, there's so many holy people out here, so much holier than what I am. Um, there's so much more that we could all do. But you know what? Again, man, it all gets back to just keep turning towards Christ, you know, and that's really all he wants. Just follow me.
0: You got that right. Well, it looks like we're wrapping things up. Deacon Jim, I appreciate your time and your insight. This has been a great discussion. Don't forget, folks, call after the program, which is going to be in a couple minutes here, and ask for a free copy of this program. All you have to do is pay is postage. And I'd like to finish off with Romans 8. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God. I believe, I believe in that. Holy Spirit, please guide us. Please grant us the light and the wisdom that we all need to be found living the Holy Father's will in our lives. And we ask this through the Holy Son's name, Jesus Christ, through the intercession of the mother. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents.